With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Macrimer Show. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but um, we have a sister site, Touch Arcade. Uh, which is all about mobile gaming, games on the iPhone, you know, the name, the name says it all. And uh, these are the main guys. We got Jared and Eli, our co-workers, who I only see, well, Jer- Eli, you used to be full-time Touch Arcade. You still do the podcast. They have their own podcast. And so this mm-hmm. episode's all about Apple gaming. And so we figured, why not, like, reach into our own bag we have like a like an mcu universe a marvel a mac rumors universe where this is the crossover episode <laughs> this is the crossover episode that nobody asked for uh but we're Should doing we do it. some background mm-hmm. on on touch arcade in case people aren't yeah. aware of... and and honestly you guys need to give that background okay. <laughs> because i see you guys once a year Dan doesn't know no i don't <laughs> i see you guys once a year <laughs> but you're my I favorite text you people. every once in a while come on that's true i mean we talk but <laughs> So anyways, we have Jared and Eli uh, uh, from yeah, the Touch well, Arcade, so go ahead. Hi. Take it away. Thanks want, for having us, Dan. Just... Uh, Touch Arcade. Oh, yeah, I guess it started way back in 2008, actually. Um, Arn, the founder of Mac Rumors, started it along with uh, Blake Patterson, who people might know as, as somebody in the retro computer, especially Apple world. Um, and it started, I think, just kind of as a hobbyist blog. Um interestingly enough it started before the app store was even around and its first content was kind of covering the jailbreak and like homebrew scene of the original iphone um and then obviously once the app store did show up and had a bunch of games and stuff um there's a ton of stuff to talk about and there wasn't really a dedicated website to that sort of stuff so um touch arcade started out pretty popular but then it just grew exponentially over the next like several years um, and then I think Eli came on in 09 and I came on in 010, 010, <laughs> came I on mean, in it 10 fits. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, we, I've been there ever since, uh, Eli, Eli left to go pursue other opportunities. What, four years ago now? Or Has almost it been five, that long? I, I have no concept yeah. of time anymore. Barn yeah. kind of, hey, yeah, he got so busy with Mac rumors and stuff. And I think just kind of generally getting out of gaming in general, um, he kind of, I don't think, you know, has, he's basically hands off with Touch Arcade anymore. Um, and so it's me and a couple of our freelancers really, we're really small squad trying to kind of keep up with the, uh, constant avalanche of, of like mobile gaming news stuff. So, and Eli, you still do the podcast. What yeah, a guy I just, after, uh, after, I just after leaving around, I'm like the guy <laughs> that hangs out at GameStop that they just like, can't get rid of basically. <laughs> So what about well you what you left like uh, Jared alluded to and you did some pretty big things so why don't you go yeah ahead and so talk about I, I that? guess a, a little bit of my backstory since um, I, I left Touch Arcade was um, I eventually joined a startup called Game Club we um, we uh, were doing a kind of cross platform cross game subscription service that um, eventually launched on both iOS Android and Android um, kind of competing uh, with with Apple Arcade. Um, we eventually, you know, had an exit of that company, got acquired by a larger company. And now I lead, um, kind of the mobile business unit at a publisher called Game Mill out of Minneapolis. Um, people might know them as the publisher behind, uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, which came out, uh, yesterday and, uh, oh, it's nice. reviewed really well. So we're very happy about that. Do you want to talk about that game a little more? I mean, it's, uh, plug it. it yeah, sure. I mean, if you... If you really love Super <laughs> Smash Brothers uh, and you want a kind of uh, love letter to the genre that includes a ton of Nickelodeon characters and a bunch of quality of life improvements that the larger sort of Smash community um, have been asking for over the years, like this is this is the game for you. Got a nine out of Wait, ten so on IGN, so real. What type of characters can I be like for that plug? Right? Can, can I be a SpongeBob? Like, yeah. 
like beaten up beaten up like the rugrats or something basically yeah i mean it's 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a that's, wide that's awesome a wide variety of uh, of nickelodeon characters so now hartley what is your level of gaming <laughs> well i'm sort of from that 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 time of people uh now long gone um which was people that tried to desperately game on max when they basically couldn't with boot camp oh, yeah um mm -hmm. that that nice. I, I was one of those ones um and i right. did my best to make it work and it to a large extent did but i think uh if you're used to slightly more rich gaming experiences maybe not so much well that's a great segue because a lot of our topic is like apple has been emphasizing gaming quite a bit um, now, I know you guys are, mm -hmm. you know, focused on mobile gaming with Touch Arcade, but mm -hmm. I'm sure you can still give plenty oh, yeah. of I've been attempting yeah, to game thoughts. on Apple platforms since the Apple II, so. There you go. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> playing uh, Oregon Trail. Oregon and, Trail, uh, then I had a, Munchers. A, a Performa uh, 550 okay. CD, I think was the model, uh, which was just barely 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 able to run games like mist and seventh guest and stuff like that which you know so <laughs> so how do you feel about apple diving into like now you know we just had the new macbook pros come out with hardware accelerated ray tracing um they're pumping out or trying to get out some good you know triple a titles i was just at a little get together where we got to speak with some developers for a lot of you know apple put on like a little showcase of these uh games and so i got to check mm -hmm. out resident evil 4 um running on a MacBook, it was you know, flawless, perfect. Um, just just felt like I was playing on a console, just console level gaming like they promised. Um, we tried the Division mm -hmm. Resurgence on your iPhone, which I'm not a big fan of playing games like that, like with controls on screen. I don't know, maybe you guys can touch yeah. on all that, but what are your thoughts? You and we'll a lot with, of other people. Are we'll start with Jared, <laughs> we'll start with Jared, and then we'll just kind of go in this little square that we got going on here. Okay, uh, well, first of all, yeah, with the Mac, the hardware stuff is is totally impressive and i think that's been true since the m1 came out and i kind of hang around um some of the the pc gaming circles which are notoriously very anti-apple anti-mac for a you know a lot of good right. reasons really it's it's the type of people that want to like tweak their own computers change components out when needed and stuff like that all the stuff that apple's never really been good at letting you do mm -hmm. um and so it's kind of like funny. There's like, you know, a lot of, a lot of Apple hate in those communities. And so when the M1s came out, um, I was really surprised that there was a handful of people who went and picked them up just for like curiosity and testing purposes that were running, um, games through Apple's like Rosetta, like translation layer, and then like benchmarking everything and being just blown away by the uh, ability of it and how well it all worked and how seamless and easy it was. Um, and so it was like kind of funny to see a lot of these sort of notorious like Apple haters be like, wow, I'm actually really impressed with what this is able to do. So I, I don't think it's like a hardware performance issue. I think Apple's doing a lot of great things there, but I think it's a broader problem um, with like ecosystem because there's no real drive for me to want to rebuy a game on Mac right. so I can play it on my laptop, right? Like I, most PC gamers have most of their game library through Steam. And um, that library lives with you from, you know, place to place. And um, if you are asking somebody to have to go out and buy like yet another version of a game they might already own just so they can play it on a Mac, that's mm -hmm. kind of a hard sell, I think. And so up until this point, I've always kind of looked at Mac gaming as just like a nice bonus and it's there for like occasional things, but I don't see Apple ever really being like, uh, selling computers that people will buy specifically for gaming. Um, it's more of just like, Hey, I already have an Apple laptop I already like Apple laptops. Um, and when I'm traveling now, there's like a better selection of games if I'm bored in a hotel room or something like that, but like dedicated gaming machines, I don't see apple ever really kind of breaking ground there yeah so I, I guess like what do you think for me Thoughts? um you know again i've been playing games on apple computers basically my whole life you know and it's um it, it kind of to me the the state of mac gaming and you know i guess like apple gaming in, in general still 
um, still feels like they're responding a little bit to the, um, I guess, like accidental success of gaming on the App Store, right? Like, because because when you yeah. when you looked at um, you know, kind of the genesis of all of this, I guess it, um, you know, like, like remember Steve Jobs was adamant of like, hey, if you want to do extra stuff on this phone, like use a Safari web app kind of thing, right? And um, mm-hmm. That I think the App Store kind of came about as sort of an answer to you know the early days of of City and all those other things, right? And it, it just I think it took them by surprise by how well it's done, and it seems like and you know, I mean, God, I've, I've read articles of uh, people speculating that Apple is the number one game company in the world right now based on revenue just from the App Store, you know? Um, yeah. But but it it still sort of feels like in a way that they're still kind of trying to figure out what to do with all that. I mean, I don't mean to discount like the effort that Apple has made over the years. I mean, obviously like Apple Arcade's incredible. Um, you know, some of these new games on the Mac, like particularly on the newer models, I mean, it feels like magic how well they're running on Apple Silicon and stuff. But I just yeah. like, I don't know. I just, I, I just kind of wish that they would go just like one step further because like, I feel like if Apple kind of went just a couple steps further, they would, it, it, this gaming stuff would stop feeling like kind of sort of like an interesting hobby for them and a side note and like something that is like truly transformative in the game space, you know, it's like they have the money to do it too. So, um, and are you talking like if they did something like a dedicated gaming, well, not even like an Apple, TV I guess just, hybrid just more with like something? the software that they're, that they're pushing, you know, it's like, so like for me, like the resident evil village stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been talking about on the touch Arcade podcast about, you know, how, it just sort of feels magic that these Resident Evil games are running on your phone, right? I mean, like if you would have gone back to the early mm-hmm. days of of iOS devices and even even suggested that you would have parity with game consoles inside of I don't know a decade or less or something like that, like people would would just laugh you out of the mm-hmm. room, right? And instead, it's like, dude, I'm playing yeah. a game on this that like I arguably looks better maybe than my Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. <laughs> um, but I just, yeah. I, I just, uh, I just wish that they would uh, lean into that in with game releases that would actually like get people's attention as like, Oh, like I, I gotta get a Mac to play this game. Cause it's an exclusive or, mm-hmm. or whatever else, because you know, an older resident evil game it just sort of isn't that exciting compared to like, what I like, I guess they just like don't have like a system seller. You, you mean you're you not know? excited by Resident Evil Four, which came out when I was like four? Yeah, I mean like that's that's the thing. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's the remake. I mean, but... <laughs> it's been remade like forty yeah. times. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both these games, Resident Evil Four and Village, are outstanding titles. But it's Amaz- just like amazing. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, it's it's sort of the same problem that I feel like VR has in a way, and that it's like what what is the title either in vr or on the mac app store or whatever where you're like you know what no i i need to get a mac because they've got x y and z like vr is sort of in the same spot we'll touch on we'll touch on vr later because that's all going towards that um and it was pretty pretty clear but hartley what about you what are you what are your thoughts on some of these new titles that have come out and the way it's being supported on the mac Is, is it something that like you just kind of agree with Eli and Jerry where it's like, eh, not, not going to be taken seriously still, but a nice to have, or do you think it's the opposite? Well, I agree. I think that we're, we're still at an early stage, but something has changed at Apple in the way that they are presenting this. Gaming has been a focus um, at the last Ooh. two events, and I feel like they've been talking about it increasingly um, before that, and now it feels like they are, they are going for it a little bit more in terms of rethinking um, the Mac in particular as a gaming device and rethinking the iPhone and the iPad as able to play console level games. Um, mm-hmm. So it's sort of a reevaluation of these platforms as a whole. But I completely agree with Eli that they kind of need to go a bit further. Um, and I wonder if the way to do this um, in the long term, because I don't see it happening next year, if they just secure um, you know, another couple of maybe slightly older um, console titles would be to invest in original content. Um, mm-hmm. and that is not something Apple would have done 10 years ago, but they're now spending over a billion dollars a year on movies. So if they were to invest in just a couple of um, AAA Mac exclusives, or at least um, uh, exclusives to the Apple ecosystem, um, that would be something really interesting and would really kind of 
uh, draw a line in the sand in terms of Apple's commitment to gaming. But I don't know whether that's very likely. I don't know whether that's even yeah, possible. I'm, I'm 100% with you there because and I feel like Jared and I have talked to death about this either you know, in Discord or whatever else where it's like, it's very cool that these games exist, but like, you know, if you could choose a way to play Resident Evil Village, it's like the iPhone is probably the least ideal way to play it, right? And like, I, it, mm. the Mac is is better, I guess, because you know it's more of a sit down experience. What, but I just I don't know. Put, what about if you were to use like those backbone controllers where you connect it to the you know to like the sides of the phone, or I'm if a you big brought, backbone fan. Yeah, or if you like brought your own PS5 controller or Xbox controller to the iPad Pro, like so part of that showcase that was really like cool for me. Was I'm like you. I don't, you know, I talked about earlier. I don't want to play games like that. I don't want to, I don't want to press, you know, that, that's not the type of game that I want to use my phone for unless I had a backbone controller or something else. Um, and probably same with the iPad Pro, but like the fact that I could do that and that they all sync throughout the, like I can buy one game, I can start Resident Evil, I could play it on my Mac, I could be on this, you know, subway or wherever I'm at on the plane mm-hmm. playing on my phone and then pick up later mm-hmm. back on the Mac or when I get home on your Apple TV, like that. That's cool because it's just it's the ecosystem that is what makes Apple, you know, Apple appealing to most people. And if we can get games like that, um, you know, I think that's an interesting well, is that, concept. Is that and then true of my both other question Resident for Evil games? So I think you can only do that with one of them, right, Jared? No, Village Village is already on the Mac App Store, right? And um, that version is not going to be universal with the one that just came out on iPhone, right? Um, but Resident Evil Four, which has not launched yet, will be universal across all apple platforms so i, that, I, I agree with you that that's kind of a cool like yeah. bonus like if you bought like it's more of an incentive to buy like i don't want to spend the money on resident evil 4 on just the mac because i right. don't know how much i'm going to use it but if you are like oh i can play it on my my phone my ipad or the mac or whatever that's kind of more incentive to spend the money for that particular version um to have it with you on the go when you want because yeah, I, I think that and then not to mention not to mention Apple Arcade Library. Yeah. You know, there's some good games on there too yeah. that like, you know, that that all that's just how it works. And then real quick for you guys, yeah. I'm an idiot when it comes to this like PC gaming. I have no idea, man. So like with Steam, mm-hmm. what is to stop Apple from like you can do Steam on your Mac, mm-hmm. right? Is it just certain mm-hmm. things don't work though? Oh, like a lot of things yeah. don't work. Can you Yeah, so how, what's what's it's the really fix up there? to the it's really up to the developers of the games themselves to add um, Mac support. And a lot of them do. And a lot of things launch even like day and date uh, as a Windows and a Apple version on okay. Steam. So like if you own a Mac, you can go download the Mac version of the Steam app. And it will go through the library of games you already own on Steam and tell you these are the ones that work on Mac. And you can download them and play them on your Mac. And it's it's not bad. Like there's not... There's a decent selection, but I would say like the biggest stuff usually launches as Windows first, and then it'll maybe come out down the line. They'll add support for Mac, but it's always the the problem's always been that the audience isn't there to put in the work to make a Mac version, really. So it's like okay, like we can put a Mac version in there, but who's really gonna buy it? Who's gonna make it worth our our while to even add this? So isn't there Actually, wasn't there something that Apple introduced Hartley about like making games a lot easier like for developers to be able to just kind of make that happen yeah, without so a that's ton of the, the the game porting toolkit yeah um, which mm. was introduced at WWDC mm-hmm. um, and Apple is definitely in- investing on the on on in terms of the software um, uh, with those sorts of tools and they are investing mm-hmm. obviously in the hardware with Apple Silicon but. This, for me, is the missing piece, and this kind of goes back um, to what Jared was saying previously, which is that there is this sort of missing piece in the ecosystem, which is something that works a little bit like Steam. And I think that Mm -hmm. we need almost, in the same way that you have like Apple Music Classical separate from the Apple Music app, and yet it doesn't have any content that isn't available in the Apple Music app. I think that's what needs to happen with the App Store and games. Games need to have their own center. Um, I I mean, literally, Apple used to have um, Tout Game Center way more. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) I would like to see an actual Game Center app where I can use it as a launcher. And then you can mm-hmm. you can tie that into iMessage. You can tie that into a, a bunch a bunch of other features and actually make that available cross platform. And it would feel mm-hmm. more like a cohesive experience because that's actually weirdly the thing that holds me back. 
is I don't want mm. to see gaming apps alongside my productivity apps on my Mac. It just, mm. it feels wrong and weird and kind of disconnected in a way that when you mm. pick up a console or you pick up, um, uh, or when you open Steam, it's it's just a completely different experience. And I think they need yeah, that, well, that like, central it, location. We, we've talked about that too before where it's like, um, love gaming on an iPhone, but when you get something like a Resident Evil Village that just came out, which is so impressive and cool that you can play something like that on something as small as an iPhone, um, also, like you're getting dinged with notifications that are distracting you or whatever. Like, is it the best way to experience that game um, as opposed to like dedicated gaming hardware? And I, I feel like when the iPhone first came out and gaming started to really kind of take off, I was always like, oh man, I can't wait to have this be my everything device. And all my gaming does is done on here and it just does everything. And like slowly I've kind of come back around to being like, man, I really appreciate my Steam Deck or whatever because I can ignore my phone i could ignore the stuff that's happening on it and just focus on gaming um and i i think that's a better experience for a lot of people than having i don't know trying to have your phone also be like your dedicated gaming device there's a lot of stuff that can kind of get in the way of that um but something that harley just said that i agree with is there's like a missing layer there um and and that game compatibility toolkit i don't know much about but i will say that Something that really helped the Steam Deck take off and become a really popular device was um, it's a Linux device and it Valve created like a uh, um, compatibility layer that translated Windows games to run on Linux very easily and very well. And so for most people that bought a Steam Deck, like, you know, there's dedicated Linux versions of a handful of games, but it's kind of in the sim similar boat as like Mac stuff. Like sometimes there's Mac support, sometimes there's Linux support, but like Windows is like the default. And so people that bought a Steam Deck, you just load up your Steam profile and it will, even if there's not a Linux version of the game, it's gonna run through this compatibility layer and work really well and allow you to play all the games you already own on Steam. And so I could see something like that, like rather than maybe Apple even having their own game hub or whatever apple just kind of embracing steam and being like okay you can use our compatibility toolkit to make games that will run well on the mac even if it's like a windows version because i know that if a lot of people that own it, hundreds of games on steam already um were able to just load up steam and, and know that they could install most of those on their mac mm -hmm. i feel like mac laptops in particular would have a good chance of catching on with gamers because one of the big problems with Mac, with gaming laptops, PCs, is that um, their battery life is terrible. And so you're bringing this laptop along on your road trip because you want a game, but you're getting like an hour of, of time to run like these big AAA games or whatever. That's somewhere where Apple really excels well with their laptops. And so I could actually see like a PC gamer person that has a Windows PC at home to a desktop to game on having a Mac laptop as their like road gaming device and also their normal laptop um if all their steam games would also work on yeah, it you know I, what i mean right. so i feel like that compatibility layer giving giving supports all those games you already own is one of the key no, things I'm, I'm totally with jared on this and, and the, the way that valve works is so mysterious where they'll just like release something on a random wednesday and email six people in the games press and it's just out like that's basically how counter-strike 2 yeah. launched right so it's it's not outside of the realm of possibility that some random thursday you guys just get an email from Valve that's like, hey, guess what? We added the Vulcan emulation layer in macOS Steam. Every single Steam game just works on Mac now. And at which point it's like right. yeah, game over Valve for the, <laughs> the Mac won't. App Store on gaming. Because like, why in the world would you mess around with the Mac App Store when it's like you can... The Steam ecosystem is so mature and so great as far as like all the cloud save stuff. Your game's working everywhere. Um, and everything else. Like if I were Apple, like that's what I would be extremely worried about. So it, with Steam being so prominent in this space, like, is it, is it too much for Apple to just like, why, why haven't they just like, if they really want to take it seriously, couldn't they just gone out and bought them? If they really well, could just make something so that they could port over all so, of their so, games, or is it so too Steam late? Is a, is Steam, Steam is too a big? privately owned company owned by Gabe Newell, right? And, and as a result, like all the mm -hmm. Steam financials are, are private, you know, like you don't know what a non-publicly okay. traded company is making, right? So like... Sure. It is possible that Steam is worth just a truly unfathomable amount of money, like potentially even too expensive for Apple to buy at this point. I mean, like okay. they dominate P like Steam is PC gaming, right? So how do you even put a price tag on that? Like I I don't know. 
it's going to be really interesting uh you know god forbid when when gabe newell finally dies and like whatever happens with steam and his estate and everything else says that inevitably gets revealed and people will just be amazed by how much it's worth i bet no i was going to say that i think really the solution um is either that apple pairs up with another company to provide that compatibility um like with valve and just kind of admits defeat in that way and just says uh, a little bit like they do with some of their accessories that another company does this really well and Apple is not interested in the space. And I don't right. think that's too likely. Um, I think it's more likely that they just they try and do their own version um, of Steam effectively that is 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 uh, unique to the Apple ecosystem. But that's probably years out. So I wonder what the next kind of, I don't know, maybe five years look like. Are we doing just every mm. Apple keynote, get get more games shown off and we, we can go wow yeah. at the hardware See, um, and, and the ability it plays. But that's not going to be so impressive in, yeah, in like, a couple of years' time. The problem is like Apple really mm. needs to get into the cycle of having these new games like day and date on the Mac App Store or App Store or whatever else. Because like, you know, when I see a new game coming out, it's not really even a question of whether or not it's going to be on Steam on its release date. It's like, of course it's going to be on Steam, right? As opposed to the right. Mac App Store, it's like, oh, maybe this game will be the tech demo that they show for the next round of Apple laptops or iPhone or something like that. And maybe it'll come out eventually. But it's not like, you know, it's not like there's any guarantee that that game will ever be, ever be on Mac, really. I mean, uh, much less, you know, with a small delay or whatever. What about like That's getting a major... Like to see. A major- I was getting like a major title that they can go out and kind of throw some money at them to to say, hey, you release with us for the first three months or something. I mean, it's sort of what they've done with Apple Arcade. Would that be enough? You know, they, you know with a yeah. lot of early exclusives and things like that with games that eventually come out later. And I think it's had an impact, but, I, you know, the, the, the hardcore gamer crowd is still so fickle when it comes to that kind of stuff that I think it would take more, um, you know, much more to, to really... Mm-hmm get on everyone's radar as like oh okay yeah apple is a a major player and you know quote unquote like the real game space which is you know always such a nebulous thing of what that even means but well i i also don't know what title you could do that with like the newest call of duty comes out in his mac exclusive for six months like the the gaming world would go ballistic over that and it wouldn't i don't think people would be like well fine i'll buy a mac to play this you know what i mean they would just be pissed off for six months until it came out on their pc yeah. or their console you know what i mean uh, i don't know whether there's a title that exists that could be like so desirable that it would cause somebody to want to buy a mac for gaming but even if there was like where do you go from there because you still need to have the whole ecosystem behind it to support long term because once you beat that cool game then what do you do you know what i mean yeah. so um i don't know it's like such a they really need to start kind of like ground up to to try and get their you know foot into the gaming world because i can't i lost count of how many times over the years we've been like apple will show interest in gaming in a serious way and we'll tell each other like oh this is the time finally they're taking gaming seriously and they might come out with some new initiative or something but then you know a year later that's it's like a long gone yeah. type thing and and the gaming I mean, thing never it, took know- off so I, I do feel like they are mm-hmm. taking it more seriously now, but then I just wonder like, okay, once these big titles that they've announced have launched and stuff, like when is when are they going to get bored? Or when is the team that's really pushing for that going to like go do yeah. something else? And then, yeah. because you saw that happen a lot with Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade launched with a lot of buzz and a lot of weight behind Apple pushing it. Um, and then like a year later, like I think everyone that was part of that team, like, wasn't with the company or was working on different things you kind of it sort of got stuck into like this sort of cycle of like okay some new games are coming out but there was no big like parade for it i guess um which i feel like they really didn't capitalize on how much buzz and goodwill they had yeah jared i mean like particularly as we you know used to go to gdc every year i mean like it it was not abnormal at all to run into people that were like ex apple games people that you know like listen to our podcast or red touch arcade or whatever who are just like dude, I agree with everything that you are saying and you have no idea how hard we fought to try to do these things internally, but it just ultimately didn't go anywhere for reasons, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, um, right. You know, it's just kind of, kind of a bummer. I mean, it's, so like, the thing is like nothing that we're saying here, I promise is anything that people in Apple haven't already argued about, you know, like that's, that's the crazy thing. They just like, don't, don't win those oh, arguments. For sure. You know? There's people that want to want gaming to, to be a thing in Apple. Yeah. within apple 
So what do you feel really needs to change with Apple Arcade? If they didn't take advantage of that momentum that I agree they had when they start, uh, when they started, mm -hmm. but it does feel like the platform's kind of, it, it's kind of that thing that for a lot of people at least, you get with Apple One and you maybe play one game on it, but it's not its not at the forefront of your mind. It's not a must-have service in right. the way that even other things like Apple TV Plus now, um, with the recent price increases, yeah. it is becoming more of an essential, and Apple's definitely becoming more confident with it. But it doesn't feel like yeah. the confidence is there with Apple Arcade. So what needs to change with that? Well, I think, I think the lead-up to launching Apple Arcade, uh, Apple spent a lot of money on it and probably made a lot of big expectations out of it um, that I think some were met and some probably weren't. But I think after the fact, you know, if they're just kind of like, you know, backing up dump trucks of money to developers to make these exclusive Apple Arcade games in the lead up to launch so they could have this big flashy launch, um, then you're kind of left going like, well, where'd that money go? What is it getting us? Um, it, it would be a lot easier to tell if you if, if they shared subscriber numbers or like, you know, player numbers um, with Apple Arcade, which they don't. But I think it's I think it's reasonably successful now and i think it's kind of just on autopilot and every few months or so they come out with like a big announcement of a couple like really big releases that'll make news and i feel like the months in between are kind of just like the autopilot stuff where it's like re-releases of games that were already on the app store or whatever um or just kind of like very mild exclusive stuff that doesn't really uh make any waves but then, like, for instance, last week they had a big announcement of what's coming. for. They announced through November and December of all the new games coming. And one of them was, it is a, uh, an exclusive Sonic the Hedgehog 3D game um, that's, like, got a really great art style and stuff like that. And, like, the buzz on the Internet was, like, oh, my God, this looks like the Sonic game we've all been asking for for years and years and years. And now it's exclusive to this stupid Apple Arcade thing. And a bunch of people like mad about that or whatever. And that's a situation where I'm pretty certain Apple's names are is in the credits and they help finance and produce that game, which means it's very unlikely it's going to come to other platforms. And so if you're like a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan, you know, like this is going to be like the only place you can get that game. And if it comes out and it's super well received and people are like, this is awesome. I don't know if that's like a needle mover for Not people to like want to subscribe to Apple Arcade just for well, that. Not to make it worse for those people, but uh, I did get to play that game a couple days ago, and it was really, really good. <laughs> like, it felt like... Yeah, I'm old, thinking it's it, going to be good. It felt like old-school Sonic, like I was playing on my Sega yeah. Genesis back in the day, and just... Yeah, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, so... Uh, the, and, the problem, though, is that, like, it, it, what makes comparing Apple Arcade to Apple TV Plus a little difficult, and, and we... we we definitely learned this at, at Game Club is that like people's tastes in games are often extremely specific. Whereas like, you know, you'll watch mm -hmm. a TV show or a movie about pretty much anything, you know, like people are fans of like action movies, right? Which means like, I don't know, like anything with explosions, right? It's, it's enormously vast, right? <laughs> Whereas like in the, in the gaming space, Michael Bay had made a career just because of the explosions. <laughs> I mean, but, it, but in the gaming space, you know, it, it is not abnormal to run into people who are like, Oh, I only play turn-based strategy games, you know? So like, it's, it's very mm -hmm. tricky to build a content library around that because like, if you made a subscription service, that was nothing but turn-based strategy games. You're alienating, I don't know, 98% of the other people. Uh, and, and it's, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just real tricky. So like, I think like that's, that's sort of something that Apple seems like they're still sort of going through with Apple Arcade is like trying to figure out like, who is this really for? And making it for everyone creates sort of like a, a weird vibe where by baking it for everyone, it's kind of not for anyone in a weird way. Like it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird to articulate a, a point like that, but it's just like, again, you know, people just have very specific tastes that are hard to fulfill with a, a game subscription unless you just have a, unbelievable amount of content well I know, I know there's a lot of people that i hear from that love apple arcade because yes. they're kids and they're like it's so awesome to be like download whatever games you want i don't have to worry about it like i used to have to worry when they would download a free game and then all of a sudden they're watching weird ads or maybe accidentally buying smurf berries or whatever so <laughs> apple arcade from that sense is it's very nice to have something that you don't have to worry about that stuff yeah. And the like breadth and selection of, of game types, I think is a good thing. There's a lot of really, 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 really good games on the service. And for years, 
um, ever since it came out, I was just like, this is an astounding value for five oh, yeah. bucks a month. And recently the price that just went up and, and we talked about it on our podcast where we were like, well now, you know, a, a lot of people seem mad about that, but I was like, even at whatever it is now, seven, I think, or something, even at like seven bucks a month, it's pretty darn good to have that many games that you don't have to worry about any in-app purchase stuff or ads. Um, and there's a, a, a lot of really good games. Like it's still an incredible value. I think Apple themselves kind of devalued the, how good it is by pricing it so low in the first place. You know what I right. mean? Um, but the other key thing I think is having a be part of Apple one. Cause so many people, I mean, if you're going to pay, I, I was in the same boat where I was like, if I'm going to pay 15 bucks for family, Apple music, I'm going to pay an extra five bucks to get all this other stuff too. It's Might kind well. of a no brainer situation. Right. Yeah, I would, yeah, so like I, th- I think a lot of people did get Apple Arcade be- through that, and then have discovered, oh, this is awesome! Like I can actually download these games, and there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, it's, it's, I think a really good value for money. Um, but I think the the biggest problem with them is that, you know, they go really hot on cold on on pushing it. I think or making an effort to put like really cool exclusives that are are making people take notice. Um, it kind of just, to me, like I've said this already, but it feels like it's been on autopilot for at least the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I, I um, echo Jared's sentiments on the incredible value of this stuff. I mean, like all these subscription game services, you know, whether you're talking Apple Arcade or Game Pass on Xbox or whatever else. I mean, it is seriously just unfathomable. Like imagine describing to yourself when you were like a kid that had like the NES with one game that in the future you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, your parents will pay a few bucks a month and you'll just be able to play whatever. Yeah. Full games, no messing around. Like it's just like, truly just unbelievable. I, I used to buy the buyers like game guides uh, when I was a kid of games that I like couldn't mm-hmm. afford, but like I could get the book, but I couldn't like my parents mm-hmm. weren't going to buy me the game. So I'm like, well, this is my best. The next best thing is I'm just going to read this yeah. and then be an expert mm-hmm. at a game that I don't have, which is yeah. Wild. I mean, and, and that to me, like you know, having having sort of the full scope of what it, what that time period was like, like criticizing these subscription services just kind of seems a little weird because like dude these things are so good compared to what you used to have that like nitpicking random details is just like what are you doing you know like but i i would i would be very 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 curious to know to see some kind of pie chart of apple one subscribers of what percentage of people engage with each part of apple one whether that's you know watching a single show or doing a single workout or playing a single game or whatever else, because it wouldn't surprise me if people didn't engage with a lot of it, because it's sort of the default thing that you sign up for with your iPhone, you know? Yeah, another thing with Apple Arcade that I think I don't personally use, so it's not on my radar all the time, but I hear a lot of people um, praise it, is that you can play a lot of those games on Mm -hmm. Apple TV, too. And so they'll be like, oh, cool, like, we can play on the living room TV, and and they're all very family-friendly type games that I can play with my kids or whatever, and they're stuff that we already have anyway. And so if you didn't have a dedicated like game console or especially if you have like younger kids that maybe aren't ready for that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, this is like an awesome way to play games on the family TV altogether um, that you already like own already. So that's kind of like a huge selling point too to somebody to want to subscribe to it. Um, but I don't see like Apple talk about this sort of thing all that often. I feel like if you marketed it that way more, because I would be curious, like what Eli just said, how many people have Apple One and have Apple Arcade and even know about it? Like my wife does. Like I had to explicitly tell her, hey, you're on my family plan. We have this Apple thing. I had to tell her about Apple Music, that she can go on that and do whatever she wants. And then I was like, and then you have this arcade thing. Touch this tab in the App Store. Download any of these games when you're with our kids and they're driving you nuts. Like download any of these games on here. They're basically yeah. free mm-hmm. and you can play them. And it was sort of like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Um, she was like, you know, downloading like the free with ads games to oh, no. you know keep the kids occupied or whatever. And I was like, you don't need to do that anymore. So I kind of miss Apple pushing some of these aspects of, of what's so yeah, great but about I, it's, I kind of wonder if at the same time, like it, it seems like Apple has been put into somewhat of an impossible position on this, right? Because like Apple Arcade kind of seems like the solution to all those stories that you used to read a few years ago where it was like, oh my God, my kid loaded up this game and yeah. now I've got $5,000 worth of charges on my credit card or, or whatever else, right? Like Apple solves that problem. Sure. But at the same time, like Apple makes an infinite amount of money from those types of games existing on the app store. Right. So it's like they're in this truly <laughs> impossible position where it's like, they can't 
really advertise like Apple Arcade is like, hey man, don't you hate those scammy free to play games? Well, check out Apple Arcade because it's like those free to play games are the bread and butter of the app store, right? I mean, like Candy Crush and all these other games, like not only are they genuinely good, but they also just like print money. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, 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 to be a fly on the wall of the Apple marketing as they're having these discussions would just be because you know that they just end with like, I I guess we'll just do nothing because, you know, like. (laughs) <laughs> well it's it's funny because you they definitely point out in um the app, various apple events and stuff like that when they're talking about apple arcade they make a point to say no ads and no in-app purchases you know what i mean so right. like they know that that's a thing that people want to see or, or value to having games that don't have that stuff um but yeah like you said it's kind of hard to be like isn't candy crush so gross with all of its fake coin packs and stuff you know like they can't say stuff like that um, because then they're hurting their, their own, you know, revenue line. I want to, I want to go back real quick and Hartley, I want to get your thoughts too. What, what about, you said, Jared, you don't play any games on the Apple TV. Have any of you guys done that? Because I just did it for the first time at hey. that, at that showcase. And it was like, why don't I do this more? Like you said, like, why don't I go, Hey, oh, totally to my kids. Like, yeah, you got your switch and he wants a new game every, every week. Cause he beats these so fast. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm not buying $60 worth of games. Like every week we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But like, I can just be like, here, go wild. And we have an Apple TV in mm-hmm. the living in like the loft area. Like just here's a controller, do what you want to do. And like, have fun. So Hartley, have you ever like experimented to that? And if not, like, what are your thoughts? Are you looking into doing that or? I have. I've tried it, um, but it's it's not something that particularly appeals to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of, I I wonder if this is, as, in as much as it's something uh, that is is a really appealing feature, say to families or to sort of casual users, um, I I do wonder where Apple Arcade goes in terms of uh, console level games, um, because that's that feels like the sort of inevitable conclusion, unless this just stays. To mobile games and Apple Arcade sort of defines itself as something a little bit separate um, mm-hmm. to uh, these these console level games um, because I can't see uh, Apple saying, "Well, you can play Resident Evil on Apple Arcade, but you can only play it on certain devices." And mm-hmm. suddenly, then Apple Arcade is becoming something a little bit different. So, what what happens with that? Um, and that is a big question. And again, it, I, that's why I, I think Eli's completely right that they look at these sorts of issues and they don't have the answer for yeah, it. Yeah, right because anything they do hurts one side of the business, right? So she's like, I don't know. I guess the yeah the move is to make no move. You know, like well mm-hmm. with Apple Arcade, is there any thoughts of that becoming something that goes over to Android? Like one of the questions we have here is like, is Apple still the king of mobile games? Like, what's the other side look like? You know, I test Android phones all the time. I don't game on them, so I could not tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have a lot of the same games? Is it just as equally as popular? Is it better in terms of, like, getting games or what? I think it used to – back in the day, it used to be very clear-cut that Android was the worst experience for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Um, and, and really, developers did not want to bring their games to Android um, because of the work and because nobody was spending money over there and because there's a lot of piracy more so than iPhone. iPhone was really where people were actually willing to spend at least a dollar on games. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, a lot of times you'd see these cool games come out on iPhone and there'd be people saying like, hey, I have Android. Are going to bring it here? And it'd be like, you know, maybe if this is really does really well for us or something, we might be able to. But a lot of the times back in the day, there was no no real Android would be like an afterthought type thing. Um, and I think slowly that gap has closed a lot to where now I'd probably describe the two as pretty equal in terms of like actual app store offerings and stuff like that. Like each have their own little set of, of exclusives here and there, but largely things that are on iPhone are also on Android. And then Android, you have the added bonus of you could download like emulators very easily and sideload stuff or whatever. So for some people that makes, that puts it over the top compared to iPhone. Sure. Um, I still think it's a platform that doesn't make, like people aren't as willing to spend for games on Android as they are on iOS. I think that's still true. Um, but I think just like in terms of like options, um, they're very similar nowadays than they were when, when yeah, all this a big, first a big reason for that is the, the iPad. kind of normalization of game engines like unity and things like that, making the cross platform stuff pretty close to automatic. Like back in the day, what Jerry's talking about is like basically had to send your game off to a game developer that specialized in Android porting as opposed to now it's like, well, unity just kind of mm, exports yeah. the whole things. You upload them to different storefronts and 
True. Um, you know, or I th- to, to me, iOS is still the predominant because that's where the higher value players are that spend a little bit more money. Um, but Android sort of makes up mm-hmm. for that in volume of users. So, um, so I also wonder how much the, the iPad um, is in that equation because there isn't really, uh, well, I mean, there isn't a, a compelling selection of Android tablets um, right now. Yeah. Um, the, the iPad is just overwhelmingly dominating the tablet market. Yeah. And for a lot of people, um, especially people with kids, the iPad is a really important device and the ability to buy a game on the App Store and most, or almost all games will also work on the iPad. Um, yeah. That is something that Android really can't offer. Um, and um, I think that holds a lot of people back. Um, definitely me, when I, when I have invested occasionally in a game um, that I've been happy to pay more for, to, pay, uh, mm-hmm. to play on, on a mobile platform like Civilization, the ability to play mm-hmm. that both on the iPhone and on the iPad um, is what is uniquely interesting about the proposition. It just isn't there on Android. So do we ever yeah. think that there's a way to get Apple Arcade to Android? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be a threat. Like you, like you said earlier with like PC, people aren't going to go out and buy a Mac if there's an exclusive there. And it seems like the games that are free, that everybody can get, that everybody ports over for both mm-hmm. are kind of there anyway. So like, what is to stop Apple from doing Apple Arcade for Android like they did with Apple Music and then Apple TV yeah, see, this is, plus being able to... Yeah, this is a big wonder of mine um, in the larger sort of subscription game space as a whole, right? Because like everyone right now has their own subscription offering that seems to be doing pretty well siloed inside of their their own platform. Like Apple, Apple has Apple Arcade, Google has Google Play Pass, Xbox, Xbox and PC have Game Pass. Um, you know, PlayStation has PS Plus or whatever, and I've I've been really, really, really waiting for the day where someone starts making the move where it's like, hey, Game Pass is on PlayStation now, or Apple Arcade is on Android now, because yeah. mm-hmm. that's going to be a real interesting powder keg of like, okay, does everything just run on everything now? At which point, like, is 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 there a software draw to a particular platform versus what's the cheapest and the best or whatever? I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be really interesting when that inflection point finally happens if it ever does but also apple is stopping uh, and as well at least it has put up every obstruction possible to things like um uh game pass yeah. on um uh on mm-hmm. ios so yeah uh, and, and demanding that they go through a browser so if they go to android and they just uh they say well we're, we're having our own kind of weird games only app store on android mm-hmm. um it would become very hard uh, from a regulatory position to defend well, that. Although this week Apple was claiming that Safari was three different yeah, browsers. But, so but I, I Something really they don't could know. do, though, is, um, so we, I don't know if you guys remember this or if it was on your radar, but when Fortnite first launched on uh, mobile, you had to get it on Android through like this weird epic sideloaded store. So like, you know, there is, mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, we're getting in some crazy hypotheticals here, but there is a reality where like Apple could make their own sort of like app store for android where you get all this stuff and people just need to sideload it and it's fairly simple to do that on android and you know it'd be any google policies would be irrelevant and but i mean that's can't sideload on your iphone but we'll yeah. let you do it on the uh, on your android i don't, I don't know care. it's like it's not my it's like, device it's like a what if episode of a tv show right is is these things happening. that would be really funny yeah. i i just don't see apple i don't see incentive for them to offer that to android people um, because you would be doing that so that people would subscribe to uh, Apple Arcade, right? And you'd get the seven bucks a month from them or whatever. I don't think you're going to get that from most Android people. Um, and then beyond that, I feel like you're devaluing something that you're trying to position as a draw to iOS platform. Um, so I don't see them giving that up just to be able to have those games beyond Android. Mm-hmm. I think they're much happier being like, no, this is something that makes iOS unique and cool. You should yeah. come over here. I mean, if you, if you look at how they've handled iMessage, right? Like, there's that the game stuff's going to be the exact same way. Yeah. Um, all right. The last thing I want to talk about is Vision Pro, and so you know, there's no, there's no denying that. Like, I feel like a lot of this gaming push, in my opinion, is just trying to set up for Vision Pro because that in my opinion, is going to be what what Apple needs in order for that to be, like, kind of, uh, I don't know, interesting at launch. Um, mm-hmm. Like, gaming, they don't really talk a whole lot about it, but gaming, like, has to be something that's kind of got to be a forefront, right? Like, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, I so I'm a, mm. I would describe myself as a, 
VR hopeful person. Um, you know, so I've got all the different, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, going back to the original Oculus, you know, I've been buying these dumb headsets and trying to play VR games and stuff like that. But the, the list of what I would describe as, you know, like actual real good VR games is like, I don't know, maybe a dozen games long and that's being pretty generous. Um, you know, you've got like mm-hmm. Half-Life mm-hmm. Alex on PC, the seventh guest just came out. Um, and there's just a very short list of games that feel like, like full real vr experiences that could only exist inside of vr um and and i think like app that's what apple is going to really need to have with the vision pro and not just like oh here's another platform you can play beat saber on kind of thing you know right mm-hmm. right right um so that's why i was wondering like what what is there what what do they need to do to to make that happen because there doesn't seem like there's a huge like market that they're behind in like they are with gaming on your laptop well, and I think it's tough, to, a tough sell to be like this $3,000 headset for gaming, right? Like that's already when there's stuff like the Quest that's yeah. 500 or whatever, or yeah. even the older headsets you can get for two or 300 bucks. Um, I, I think that's a really tough sell just from a gaming sense. I think it'll be kind of like what we've been talking about, how the gaming will be a nice bonus. I think Apple likes it as a bullet point to try and sell people when the, the headset comes out. It'll be like, look, and there's these games that also work and are awesome. But in terms of like a killer app type thing, I think you need something like um, I don't I don't mean specifically Fortnite, but something like that. That's a social experience that young people embrace and want to be a part of because Fortnite did. It was kind of the uh, forerunner of, of games as like a shared space experience. Right. So you would play Fortnite and it's a cool shooter and you do this stuff. But also you saw kids going to hang out in Fortnite, right? And then they started having like concerts in Fortnite or whatever. And it became this sort of like precursor to what everyone calls the metaverse or whatever now. So like, I think you need something like that where it's like um, a shared space with other people. It may or may not be a game or maybe it's both or whatever, but it has to be something like that. I don't think it's gonna be like one app that's like, you gotta get the Apple headset to try this one specific game. It's so cool. It's gotta be like all my friends, you know, same thing as like all my friends have iPhones and now I want an yeah. iPhone too. It's like, we all want this headset so we can do the hangout social thing together that all my friends are wanting to do or, or you know, something like that more than like one specific yeah, game. I, personally, I am, I am absolutely dying to know what ends up being the killer use case for the Apple Vision Pro because like that's been the problem with VR for the longest time. I mean, like I've got all this VR junk in my house. Friends and family know that I've got VR stuff and you know, when they come over, they might be curious about it and want to try it, but it's a 15 minute thing where I run them through like the three or four really cool games. And it always ends with, okay, cool. Thanks. You know, never, ever like, oh my God, how, where do I get one of these? Like, where do I, I I, I can't believe I haven't, (laughs) I've bought one of these before and everything else. Whereas like, you know, that the iPhone had that magic, right? I mean, cause like when the, when the iPhone first started to get good with like, you know, the, the iPhone 3g and 3gs and stuff, like you saw people, that were like, holy cow, like this is, this is a generational leap over the smartphone that I have now. And I like, I need to get one of these. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Apple's going to need to figure out what that is for the Vision Pro. And I just, I don't know. I don't think it's movies. I don't think it's games. I, I don't think it's mirroring your desktop to a virtual space. And it's going to need to be something that no one else mm-hmm. has thought of yet. And I don't know. Apple is really good at doing that kind of stuff. And I'm just really excited to see what, what that ends up being. Cause it can't just be what they showed in the teaser, you know, like a $3,500 headset to I, watch movies mm-hmm. in a little cooler way. You know, I will, yeah. I will, I will say, um, I feel like it can be a little bit really because yeah, because, uh, I'm not a big VR person. Um, I've tried some beforehand, I tried Apple Vision Pro and it was far You're a it was no I don't know if I'm a believer of somebody who's going to use it all the time that's where I'm still waiting yeah. to see like I got to get my own to like use it you know in a 40 minute controlled environment where they're walking me through things like it's mm-hmm. it's a little you know hard for me to be like yeah I'm going to totally use yeah, this all the, the time but what what mm-hmm. what happens is when I bought the MetaQuest 3 I start to recall like my time with the Vision Pro and I'm like that was just so much better yeah, to yeah, get on yeah. my face, mm-hmm. to get it comfortable, 
everything looked better. I didn't feel weird. It didn't feel like it was suffocating me. And that's how I feel every time I put on this MetaQuest 3. I'm like, man, I just want to do something cool, but like, I can't wear this for more than like 20 minutes yeah. to where I'm like, all right, just get this thing off of my I, that's, face. That's 100% so, where I'm at with the Quest I, stuff too. Is, you know, it's like the seventh guest game is outstanding. Yeah. And I, I you know, love the seventh guest from the old Mac and stuff like that. But it is, it is very challenging for me to be in VR for more than like 20 minutes on Quest hardware. And I do find myself saying and like, I think that's... God, I wish this was better, but 3,500 bucks better versus $500. I mean, that's... Well, just strip the price away from it though. I think that's where like you're going to see, okay, I understand yeah. why this is a better experience, but is it yeah. enough at the end of the day when you put the price back in? Like, it's a $3,000 difference, man. Like, why do I need to spend that much more? See, what so. I, I, I think my problem with VR is I think it's a f more fundamental thing of I don't want something strapped on my face all the time. And you, you think of, like, Apple's biggest popular products that people kind of, you know, guessed were going to fail, like the Apple Watch or AirPods. Those are things that are on your body that are really unobtrusive. Mm -hmm. And I didn't you know, think about how useful my Apple watch was because it was just where a watch would normally be. Right. Or you don't really think about AirPods being in your ears because they're comfy and they have transparency and you know, whatever. I'm always going to know there's like a goggle strap to my face and I'm not, I'm not going to want to be like, um, choosing, like, I want to be in the headset world. I want to be out of the headset world. I feel like they're things that work the best yeah. or the things that are always on you. Um, and, and aren't like reminding you that they're there. So I think all of their, their, you know, showcasing like the virtual computing, um, you know, environments and stuff like that is all neat. Like all that stuff is really cool, but it requires you to have this headset on. And um, right now it just feels like a specific choice you have to make of, I want to put the headset on and do this cool stuff. And when it's off, I can't do all this stuff, um, which you don't really get. Maybe you with just your wear Apple it all day watch, long. Which is just always on and always giving you, you know? useful thing. You can and sh people surely <laughs> will. But for me personally, I haven't worn one, so I don't know how comfy it is or whatever, but I just can't imagine wearing that thing around your house all day long just so you have the benefit of the virtual space stuff all around yeah. you all the time. Um, I could easily see it being my number one travel accessory of all time, mm. though. Like, mm -hmm. every time you're watching something on your, on your iPad on a plane... Or, you know, you're trying mm -hmm. to do some work and you're just like, what is this person next to me looking at? Like, I'm talking to my wife. I'm having a conversation. <laughs> like, you know, I don't I don't need uh, them to see how what's going on. Like, you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I always get weirded out when there's movies on the plane that you watch and, like, there's something going on that's kind of weird. Yeah. And, like, you've got a kid sitting next yeah. to you and you're like, I don't want to watch this next to him. Like, you know, I just feel mm -hmm. weird about that stuff. So, like, I can see. And, like, also, it keeps yeah. your head straight. You're not looking down. Like, it's just comfort. Right. But like thirty five hundred dollars for for my my travel. Well, so here's know, here's the thing. Do you guys do crazy predictions and then check and see whether or not they turned out to be right on this? You keep track of that at all? No, but we should start right, so, doing that. Let's do that. So right here's now. my Go here's ahead. my prediction with the Apple Vision Pro. I think this is how Apple makes it a success. So they lean into all the financing shenanigans that they've been rolling up. You know, with the interest free financing, the iPhone upgrade program, and everything else. Make the price of the Vision Pro irrelevant because they. They promote it as 150 bucks a month or something like that. You know, with the every year you get the new one, whatever that price point ends up being. But they need to get off. That's not a well. Relevant. They they need to get <laughs> off of this whole like the headset is so expensive thing. Whereas like if if Apple yeah. shows you yeah, this yeah. magical product, but presents it in a way where it's like affordable to you on a monthly basis, particularly with how into financing like everything Americans are these days. I think that the Apple Vision Pro will be the next device that every single person has. But if it's, you know, a mm -hmm. you know, three thousand plus dollar headset that, you know, it's just for I, I think you're you're gonna the, the problem Apple's gonna run into is the people that are gonna buy it are gonna be the same people that bought Google Glass and they're gonna have a major marketing problem on their mm -hmm. hands as like, you know, all these tech bros are wandering around San Francisco with the headset on and you're not seeing anyone cool wearing it and anything mm -hmm. else, right? Like so that's that's the biggest thing I think they have to fight against. Yeah, the thing's thirty five hundred bucks now, but where will it be yeah, in five sure. or ten years? How much is it going to cost then? Um, because now you know people used to laugh at the iPhone being five hundred dollars, and now they're like <laughs> well over a thousand, and it's not like weird anymore. So like um, once the the headset comes down a little bit, I think what Eli's saying would make more sense. Where it's like 
well, I'm going to finally get the headset because I can just roll it into my monthly iPhone upgrade program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not like I'm coming up with all that money up front. I think that would make it an easier purchase for people to make. But doing that with 3500 bucks seems like a lot. So I think it's a few years down the road at least before um, there's different versions that are maybe a little bit cheaper or whatever where you can start doing something like that. I think the first few years for sure are going to be yeah. early adopter people that don't care about the money. Like, they just want the, the, the problem for me is out. like I am the exact demographic of person that would buy this on day one. And even me, I'm having problems with like mm-hmm. that, that price point, particularly because knowing that the second one is going to be so yeah. much better, you know, and my, and my <laughs> yeah. OG one is going to be, have like no value. Cause it's like the, the second one is generationally better and people are like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe a thousand bucks for that thing. Maybe, you know, Harley, what's your, mm-hmm. uh, what's your bold prediction so we can look back? Uh, well, I, I think the important thing to understand with Vision Pro is that we try to, a lot of the time, think about Apple's uh, past and we try and compare with previous launches. So that's why everyone says, oh, is this the new iPhone? Um, and the, the iPhone was like this, the Apple Watch is like this. And we try and sort of say, well, oh, well, this doesn't feel right with the Vision Pro. But I think it's because Apple doesn't actually want to sell headsets. In 10 years, it does not want to be in the headset business. It wants to be in the business of augmented reality glasses. Mm-hmm. And it can't mm-hmm. get from uh, A to B in the way that it was able to with tablets or smartphones or smartwatches. So mm-hmm. it has to kind of uh, take a, take this alternate route um, and provide this other product to iterate on uh, the software, on the technologies, and to set up all this infrastructure for weird stuff like prescription lenses, um, and a, a fitting experience, um, and to get people comfortable with gestures, and to to really present that product. And effectively, it's almost like we're getting an iPhone um, in 1997, and we're wondering what it will be like in in 2007. Yeah. That's kind of yeah, the, where we are with trick- it, and that's that's why it isn't like for life. The, the tricky part of this is that like mm-hmm. you know these these uh, you know stereo 3D VR experiences are truly impossible to convey to people what they're like on a, a 2d kind of like trailer or whatever else i mean like jared remember the first time i made you stand in line to try the oculus at what was that e3 or something like that and it, it just like blew oh, your mind yeah. you know like we were both totally aware of vr yeah. and everything else just never tried it before and it's just like oh my god this is you know i was in like a daze the rest of the day because i was just thinking about like yeah. how crazy it was yeah. so i i'd be interested how i felt with the vision Pro. well i'll be interested to see how they they solve for yeah. that problem though because like for for you to experience the magic you need to have it on your face right and that is not a very scalable mm-hmm. thing compared to here watch this watch this keynote yeah. on this new thing you know but that's why well, i don't think they care be. about fixing that problem for years no. I think they're not even worried mm-hmm. about how to market it. I mean, we talked about gaming before. They didn't actually show off or, or really tout the gaming abilities of Vision Pro. They kind of wanted to say, mm-hmm. this is not a VR headset. This is not like an Oculus. And that's why they didn't really talk mm-hmm. about gaming. Yeah. So the, all they want to yeah. do is just put this thing out there and let some enthusiasts use it. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not forecasting to sell more than about a quarter of a million of them in the first year, which is mm-hmm. really small numbers. They, they're just happy to give this to the enthusiasts um, and to just let this thing iterate in the background so that we can eventually uh, work out what that should be. Um, and Apple hasn't really done that yeah, before. Cause um, so I- I'm here they, for it, they, but it's just yeah, I would actually say that I think that was kind of the path that Apple mm-hmm. Watch took, right? Because they positioned it very differently when they first announced it. And um, it kind of took the people that bought it and how they used it for them to sort of morph into being like, okay, and actually this is more of like a fitness device and more of like a, a notification thing than like, you know, going to be a phone replacement for somebody. You know what I mean? Like it took some years though, because when it first came out, it was sort of like, oh, apps on the watch are going to be amazing or whatever. And you come to find that like, nobody really wants to like use an app on a little tiny interface like that or whatever. It's like a better companion device to your iPhone already. Um, and it took them a while for them to figure that out. So I could see the the same sort of thing happening with the Vision Pro where it's like, okay, here it is. Like, how are people going to use this so that we can tweak things down the line for newer versions and kind of hone in on like what the audience is that's going to want to use Yeah, this? I'm really curious to see what happens with the whole spatial computing thing, you know, because it seems like a, I don't know, not to use a buzzword, but like a new paradigm shift in the way that you use a computing device, very similar to how when we switched over from like, command line stuff to, you know, GUI based, uh, you know, like window interfaces. Like, you know, when you were using DOS back in the day, you never were like, mm-hmm. you know, the solution to this problem is I wish I had this thing called a mouse and, 
these things called windows and stuff like that. It just like came about and everyone was like, Oh yeah, this is a million times better. Like, why would I ever go back to that? So I'm really curious to see right. if, if we see a similar inflection point with the spatial computing stuff, like outside of, you know, movies or, or anything else. And, um, you yeah. know, if the way that you mm-hmm. use a computer drastically changes from just like, here's this virtual screen, you know, like that seems like the most boring use for mm-hmm. something like this. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we are unfortunately up against our time. So what do you guys want to plug? Let's go. I mean, we, we already said at the beginning that everyone should go check out the touch arcade podcast, but we can say it again. Yeah. Say and, it again. Touch arcade podcast. We're on episode yeah, 500. Going, going something. I think we're closing Jeez. on 600. Jeez. Pretty crazy. We've been doing that. You guys got to catch up. Long, but um, we. This I know. Is Where are seven, you guys? Episode seventy-eight, I believe. So we've got. It's not bad. We've got quite a bit of ways to go, but uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll hope to reach that one day. Um, yeah, I mean, this was great. We have to do this again because gaming is a space that I'm just like, yeah, I like games, but. As Eli said earlier, like I am very much that I only mm. play sports games. Very I mean, that's like, how people are. That's it. You know, like, like I play Matt, I play Madden, and I play MLB yeah. and NBA, and like that's it. And even well, then, it's like hard to do. Or now with the Switch, I've been playing it since my son's like super into Mario. I've been mm-hmm. playing all of those games again, just getting into it because he's into it. So, mm-hmm. I, I think it's tough for me because ever since the beginning of when I started with Touch Arcade. Um, I've just been really passionate about finding like the really cool, unique mobile games and mobile gaming has a stigma pretty well deserved, but still that all games suck. All mobile games suck is something mm-hmm. you hear all the time. And, um, it's just not true. It just takes work for you to find the good games. And I yeah. feel like that's where touch arcade comes in is like, let's try to unearth those cool games so you can ignore all the like noise and find the actual good stuff. But I think I just wish more people would try to give mobile gaming a chance because you're missing out on a lot of really good stuff and there's more good games than i could play in a lifetime they do exist and they do they are out there it's not all garbage like money grab stuff although that stuff's everywhere too yeah. you know what i mean you <laughs> just kind of need to know how to navigate that type of stuff but i feel and like people best... are doing themselves a disservice by dismissing it in initially without actually trying to put in a little work to find yeah, the stuff converted and you don't even need to put in the work because you can go to toucharcade.com yeah, and you can read nice. all nice of their stuff. Yeah, Touch Arcade, I've, yeah. I've converted so many friends of mine that are, who are like mobile game skeptics or haters to like, well, no, you just like, you just need yeah. to stop downloading this junk. Like, check out what we're posting on Touch Arcade and like give yeah. some of those a go. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, exactly. actually, yeah. I didn't know games like this existed, you know? All right. So, yeah, <laughs> go check out Touch Arcade. Go check out the podcast. And thanks, Jared and Eli, for coming on. And uh, we'll catch everybody yeah, in the next episode. Us.